Well, hello and welcome to another edition of PRA. I'm your host, David Russell, and I do not have a co-host today. Well, at least not yet. Maybe one will come by later. But I got my guests, and sometimes that's just all you need, right? <laughs> um, well, I got two new guests on today, um, and it's going to be an interesting show. Uh, I got Sahai Luke uh, and Nazam Gufar from Hi. FDAWA. And I'm going to, like, go to you first, Luke, because you're the one that contacted me for this and let you kind of introduce yourself, your ministry and, you know, what, what what's going on today and, and, you know, what you're a part of and so forth. Well, thank you for that, David. I'll keep it short and brief. Uh, my uh, apologetics ministry is called East of the Jordan Apologetics. And um, uh, Mr. Uh, Nazem, he's uh, from EFTAWA, and they've been doing some interesting uh, streams on the historicity of the New Testament for approximately about a year. And so I thought it'd be more productive to uh, engage one-on-one. -on -one. That way we have time to discuss more specific points uh, in detail, elaborate, so on and so forth. And so I reached out to you because uh, the Book of Jude was the last book that um, was discussed on their stream. And uh, I thought it would be a good idea to elaborate on some points with uh, Nazem. Awesome, yeah. Well. Um... You know, what got you into apologetics and so on? I would say the run-ins with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, all, they, we all deal with those. You know? First time I encountered them, you know, I was, uh, I didn't, I was frustrated because I didn't know how to respond. I, I, I believe there was an answer. I just couldn't accept what they said. I, I felt that it didn't make sense because I came across that verse, you know, in the past. And I know it didn't say that, you know. And so that's what led me to dig deeper and it went from uh, Jehovah's Witnesses to um, other cults and then other religions. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because you reached out. You were a fan. And and I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I, I'm the type of guy that hosts guests that listen to the show. So anybody that's out there, if you have a show that you would like to, you know, put out here as well, you know, I'm always open to those type of things. Matter of fact, we usually hold a guest host month every February and allow uh, guests to host shows with us. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. So, well, next, uh, last but not least, we got Nizam from EF Dawa. Uh, Nizam, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what you guys do and so forth? Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't come with the expectation to discuss the historicity of Jude, nor did I know I was discussing it with, say, Luke. Um, there was nothing said about this in the email. Oh, yeah, so Nazem, I feel like uh, I've been ambushed. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Nazem, I've, uh, I mean, we have the same emails. I, I did contact you. I even. No, um, I, I have the email on my screen. I can show it to you in front of you. There's nothing about discussing historicity of, uh, of Jude, nor is there anything about with discussing with, say, Luke. I, I thought I was going to discuss with someone called e, uh, EOTJ Apologetics. Uh, that's right, Nazem. So, uh, where is this person? You're talking to that person, Nazem. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, how comes you didn't identify yourself as, say, Luke? Uh, I have in the past, and uh, even I mean, I thought you would know oh, because I know you were say Luke. You should have just said that you're say Luke. I I don't have a problem with discussing because in the past when I've known you as say Luke, I have actually asked you if you'd be willing to just have a, you know, private conversation. Right. Um, right. So I apologize. Also... I apologize for, for the confusion. I have okay. identified myself as that in, in the past. So I'm sorry if there is any, any confusion. 
Um, okay. Since you guys have discussed uh, Jude in, in the past, I thought maybe we can. Sure, I, 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 I don't that have a you, problem. You yeah, it's just um, you didn't say anything about you wanted to discuss the historicity of Jude. Because well, if I knew, I would have then rewatched the video, so I couldn't could have known what I said on the recording. So. Right. So, so but, um, just for clarification, Nazim, um, I I did mention it. Maybe um, may I apologize if you didn't see that part. But how about okay. how about um, we? Well, there's discuss... nothing in the email about discussing uh, letter of Jude. Well, I do. I, I, I can put I, it in no, the basket. I, I show you the I, I do email. Have it. And again, I, I apologize. This is not an ambush. This is uh, not a, a. Nothing in the email about letter of Jude. Um, but but it's okay if you want to now discuss letter of Jude, then uh, we can discuss letter of Jude. Um, Nizam, also uh, to make it fair for you, I'm not going to let you feel like you're ambushed because that's not the type of show I run. But uh, what were you? What did you want to discuss as well? Well, it, it just said it was an informal discussion, and that's what we'll do. Uh, okay. So, uh, I, yeah, what what did you have in mind to discuss as well? Well, I, I was. I thought maybe the crucifixion would come up because um, uh, EOTJ Apologetics um, a few months ago sent a video to me uh, making their points about the crucifixion. So I thought maybe that may come up, or or just so, really in general, like why you're a Muslim or why you're a Christian, or so yeah, I have, exactly. Oh, I no, you know, what, you know, yeah. That and. Luke, that, I think that's fair. Uh, I think that if we but devote... if you want to discuss the history, if you have something prepared to discuss the history, yeah. Of Jude, um, yeah. then we can yeah, do so, that. So, now, so. Um... Yeah, and I and I think that's good because if if it, just to be fair, we can discuss both in this hour that we have with each other, and we can okay. discuss both to make it fair since uh, things weren't hashed out fully in the email, and okay. you know, no one's you know, you're not really prepared. I'm not. I'm not about to. Like throw somebody that's unprepared in any this? type of discussion, how and I'll this? moderate, and I'll, I'm pretty much out of it. It's your guys's conversation, so that's what see, we do they, here at okay. PRA. Let me, let me, okay. let me uh, put this forth and then see how you guys decide. I have no problem speaking of the crucifixion. However, I wouldn't want uh, the stream to be intermingled where some people come and they listen to part of Jude, part of the crucifixion. I'd rather uh, okay. dedicate. Since I'd rather you know, dedicate. Okay. Right, and so I'd rather just dedicate. But but I would also mention this, Nazem. Um, this is not a setup, and I understand maybe you weren't unprepared because of uh, miscommunication. So I apologize okay. for that. How about um? How about I maybe I I bring up maybe just uh, a handful of points that you've mentioned, and then if you can't recall sure. exactly, I can remind okay. you what you said, and then we can just conversate on those on those points if that's okay. Yeah, okay, I also cool. yeah, Luke. But I you know I also do think it's fair. Uh, you know that you guys. Uh, you know, after you do that, that portion, since uh, there's no real like huge preparation done, you know, uh, that we could also maybe transition to some of those other things of why you guys are, you know, some things that Nizam would like to to mention, sure. too. It's it's up to you guys. Maybe but, we can discuss it in the future. Yeah. then. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, yeah, it's either or uh, whatever you guys feel fair about. You know, I don't want anybody to feel unfair as well. Uh, but yeah, Nizam, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at EF Dawa and stuff so we can get to know you a little bit. Sure. We're I a mean, big family fish... here, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see. Um, yeah, um, officially, I'm not really formally affiliated with EF Dawa, uh, but I'm invited onto the platform as, as a guest. And I've been doing this historicity stream with them for like um, 
just over a year and a half. And we started out originally um, discussing the historicity of the four gospels. And um, then we moved on to the, the Pauline corpus. And um, we're actually just now coming towards the end um, in which we'll be covering the book of Revelations, uh, possibly uh, this Sunday. Um, so I'll be doing that for about, as I said, um, just over a year and a half. And I've learned so much from it, just my own personal like, education uh, from it. And um, yeah, I, I, over the time, um, I met Say Luke, but I think I was already familiar with Say Luke right. um, from some of the other online discussions or debates taking place on YouTube and on Twitter as well. Uh, but yeah, I've been interested in comparative religions for a very long time. And um, I got started um, really uh, about the time uh, when a Christian friend of mine um he's you know started to uh, you know attend the church and i was going to the mosque and we would get involved in like uh religious debates and from there that kind of sparked my interest and i began to um study christianity more and and um why i believed in islam and um from there i just became very interested in um in islam and christianity and in the muslim christian um online community <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's really cool, man. So what we're going to do, like you said, uh, you know, have just an informal dialogue, you know, and um, I'll like push it in, in, in certain directions if I think that we've beaten the dead horse long enough, you know, or whatever, <laughs> right. you know, um, right. but this is your guys's conversation. And, you know, um, I leave it up to you guys to, you know, discuss what you want to discuss. Um, sure. I, I know, I know Luke does uh, affirm the historicity of the book that he wanted to yes. talk about. So I'll let him uh, take it away on that. And then like, if you guys have any issues with that and, and how you want to run it, that, you know, you guys can work that out. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm all for a fair conversation, but I think there's uh, anything nefarious. I'll jump in as well. So, <laughs> but I'm, so, uh, I'm pretty sure everything's cool. Right. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you again, Asm. And again, I apologize for any miscommunication. Um, one of the things I, I thought maybe would be a good point to start off with so far would be um, the mention of uh, Jude not being able to uh, write in Greek. Um, you mentioned in the first stream that um, given what we know about uh, first century Palestine, the background, um, certain people being peasants, that it's unlikely that a person such as Jude or maybe a fisherman or any of Jesus' disciples would have been uh, capable of writing in Greek. Uh, do you recall? Uh, yes, now it's slowly coming back to me. Yep. Okay, okay, right on. So if you recall, your position was it's it's not likely that this probably, it's not likely that this would be the case uh, in regard to Jude. And so in response to that, I, I would ask for you if you would just kindly consider two things. Um, uh, David, uh, uh, Wayne Gruden uh, mentioned that Hellenization from Alexander the Great had already uh, taken place and progressed through Judea for four centuries already at this point, and that many people in Galilee spoke and wrote in Greek, and that Grudem also notes that hundreds of Jewish ossuaries have been uh, uncovered there, demonstrating that they were bilingual and they understood Greek. Moreover, a second point is that the Gospels tell us that at the time of Jesus's crucifixion, there was an inscription placed on the cross written in three languages, and one of those languages was in Greek, which presupposes that at least some people could read and write in Greek. So in consideration of these two points to this information, 
wouldn't it have been at least possible for Jude to develop his ability to uh, read and write in Greek, given what we know, and given the fact that he's writing 30 to 50 years later, which would mean he would have had 30 to 50 years to at least develop his literacy in the Greek language? Well, I mean, first of all, we need to identify which Luke, uh, sorry, which Jude we're speaking about, since Jude uh, or Judas was, was a, a common name back then. Um, and since the, the author himself identifies as the brother of James, generally it's been taken for granted that this is the brother of Jesus. But something odd um, is noted is that uh, why would he claim to be the brother of James and not mention that Jesus was his brother since Jesus was more significant among the, the two? And also um, further, um, just because the Gospels say that the sign uh, also included Greek, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that this was the case because we know that the Gospels were written in Greek and it's possible that this could be an example of something being unhistorical information uh, contained within the Gospels, um, that the Gospels are anachronistically reading something back into the life of Jesus, um, where people's you know, first language would have been Aramaic back then. And third, um, from apocryphal sources um, uh, from the second century, uh, we know of uh, Jude, uh, the brother of James and Jesus. Um, his social status uh, didn't um, didn't change, but he still remained in this kind of impoverished background. And so, fr from that, it seemed unlikely um, that uh, Jude, the brother of Jesus and, and uh, James, would have learnt uh, Greek. Okay, so in response to that, I, I would point out that um, we moved from Greek to which which Jude and then which James. So I would get back mm -hmm. to that. So right now I want to focus back on on the Greek. And and again, it doesn't matter if it's uh, authentic, if it's really Jude, or if it's uh, an imitator claiming to to be Jude. The point is that this epistle is is written in Greek. And so back to my initial question, we will get to which Jude and, and which James, and we can just conversate about you know why I think it is. The brother of Jesus and why I think James is also the brother of Jesus. But um, the first point, um, I'm going to repeat my question in, in light of the two points of, of Alexander um, uh, establishing Greek in this area. And just to also address another point, you mentioned that maybe maybe there was some foul play in part of the Gospels, right? So the problem with that is that we have um, archaeological facts that tell us, you know, we have pottery, we have ossuaries, um, you know, so it's not just whether the Gospels may have been uh, corrupted and we can't trust what it says just because it says that there is a title is put on the cross and one of the languages written in Greek that we can therefore dismiss it. Rather, Brent Nungbri says we have to treat the Gospels and the New Testament writings as ancient, arch 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 I'm sorry, excuse me, artifacts. But more importantly, Nazem, is that it's not just written sources that say this, again, we have archaeological artifacts, we have pottery, we have um, titleists, and we have ossuaries. So in light of this, we do know that Greek was a language uh, spoken during that time. And it's also important to keep in mind that this was the language of trade. So a lot of people would have spoken. it. So in light of the fact that uh, Alexander the Great you know, Hellenized this area in the light of the fact that we have ossuaries and in light of the fact that we have titleists in light of the fact that we have pottery with Greek inscriptions on them. You know, do you think that it was possible for, for Jude to at least develop his literacy in Greek given 30 to 50 years? 
Yeah, um, j j just because um, like the purpose of the crucifixion uh, was also to serve as a deterrent uh, to uh, frighten people away uh, from because um, the charge was um, that Jesus was claiming to be the king of the Jew, which was um, a treason, uh, a state treason. And so the purpose was to deter other people from doing the same thing. Um, so, and, and since- But, but, but if it's written in Greek, doesn't that presuppose at least some people can read the sign and which therefore they can read and write in Greek, at least some people? Um, only for the benefit of diaspora Jews, uh, those Jews that were living outside of Palestine, but if, if this was something that was done in Jerusalem, then Jerusalem, the native language would have been um, Aramaic. Um, so, so it's possible that this could be another example of something being unhistorical, um, especially since the Gospels were not written in Jerusalem, but were written outside of Jerusalem. And it's possible that they could have somehow assumed some um, Greek custom cultures and read that back into Palestinian Jewish lifestyle. Uh, with regards to uh, Ju Judas or the brother of Jesus, um, is it possible that he could have taught himself or learned uh, Greek from somewhere? Uh, yes, uh, it is possible. But just because something's possible doesn't mean it's likely or probable. Right. So do you grant that it was at least a possibility that yes, Jude could have? Okay. Okay. Now, I want to uh, address one more point and then we can get into Jude and James. But this has to do more specifically to the allegation that as the status of a peasant, a, a lower class status, that the mm -hmm. chances of Jude being literate in Greek is, is even more not, you know, reasonable. Now, um, I'm going to mm -hmm. quote from you with um, Michael Kruger and Andreas uh, Kostenberger say on uh, page 184. If you haven't checked out the book, it's actually, it's an awesome book. It, it's a rebuttal to um, Bart Ehrman's claims and the Bauer Ehrman thesis. And so on page- What's the uh, book called? It's called The Heresy of Orthodoxy. Okay. And it's by a Michael Kruger and Andreas Kostenberger. And so he's responding to the Bauer Ehrman thesis and the allegation specifically that Bauer Ehrman says it's unlikely that uh, peasants and Jesus's disciples would have been able to read and write in Greek. Now, he gives a list and it, it, it covers a range of about four or five pages, but I'm just going to read for you just a small portion mm -hmm. of it. So uh, it says, quote, Thus, Ehrman's claims that the earliest followers of Jesus were, quote unquote, simple peasants stands in direct contrast to the consensus of modern scholarship. What is more beyond this fact, one can assume that literacy was always directly correlated with social status, as Ehrman has erroneously done. Indeed, most notably, ancient scribes themselves were most often found among slaves and who had no physical possessions at all or among the lower or middle who had, uh, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, or among the lower or middle class. Members of the wealthy upper class would often not read or write themselves, even though they may have had the ability, but would employ lower class slaves or scribes to do it for them. Uh, page 185. Given the fact that Peter and John grew up as Jews, we would expect that they would have had some basic education as would have been common for Jewish boys. Even Jesus was considered uneducated, John 7, 15, but yet was able to step into the synagogue and read from the scroll, apparently with a substantial degree of proficiency. Luke 4, 17 through 20, unquote. So basically, um, 
Kostenberger and Kruger do note that Jewish boys would have had at least some basic level of education. He notes sure. that he notes that uh, the majority of the scribes who are obviously literate came from the lower class and were even peasants. And I think one of the most strongest arguments is that he notes, given the New Testament treated as historical artifacts, um, they depict Jesus reading from a scroll. And if Jude is the brother of Jesus, then the likelihood of Jude being literate or receiving that type of education to read would have likely you know, been the same. What is your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, what I would say to that is when it comes to the epistle of Jude, it's not just a simple case of being able to spell or write three words in Greek or being to ha have a, like a mini conversation uh, in Greek in order to get by. But the author of Greek seems to be highly skilled and trained in, in Greek literacy. And also he sh shows um, a very extensive knowledge of other Jewish apocryphal work. So he seems to be aware of, for example, the um, the book of Enoch. Um, he also seems to be aware of the assumptions of Moses uh, when the you know the devil and the angel fight over the body of Moses. Right. Um, and also he seems to be aware of an another so-called apocryphal Jewish work. Um, the name escapes me now. Uh, so so this shows that this person, whoever wrote it, um, is familiar and has read these other works and may have read more. Uh, so, so this shows like more than just your average Jewish peasant person, uh, but um, it, it, it comes but again, across as being a scholar of that particular time. Well, well, again, Nazim, I don't want to sound redundant and I don't want to go in, in, in circles, but just because a person may have been a peasant doesn't mandate. It's, it's a non sequitur to assume or think it, it mandates that he would have been unable to have reach this level of sufficiency in Greek, especially given 30 to 50 years time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I'm saying it's possible, but it just okay. seems improbable. Okay, okay. So I'm going to quote for you uh, what, what a few scholars say, and then we can move on to um, Jude or James or uh, the apocryphal material, if you like. But um, D.A. Carson wrote, quote, Rabbi Akiva was apparently unlettered until the age of 40 and then became one of the greatest rabbis of his generation. It would not be surprising if... Some of the leaders of the church, decades after its founding, had devoted themselves to some serious study, unquote. Likewise, J. Warner Wallace argues that given the benefit of time and reflection, it's reasonable that the New Testament writers developed the theological sophistication necessary to write or dictate their gospels or epistles, unquote. So um, you want to you want to go over the chances are that it was Jude the brother or the likelihood that it wasn't Jude the brother of Jesus? Yes, yeah, so I would say it's not necessarily that the New Testament is written by uh, the original early followers of Jesus who came from like a impoverished background, uh, but it, these could have been written by uh, people of like more upper social class who converted to Christianity and, um, you know, they wrote the documents and, um, and also some of the writings are attributed to certain people um whom um you know many new are you, are you saying jude think. are you are you saying uh jude is sometimes attributed to i'm sorry i didn't hear you jude is attributed sometimes to, to someone else or can you repeat that please well m most new testament scholars don't believe that uh jude the brother of james and jesus wrote the letter of jude uh but whether this author is what uh, the technical term that uh biblical scholars use is pseudepigraphal 
which is like fake writings or someone pretending to be someone that they're not. Whether the author himself is deliberately doing that, um, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that because strictly speaking, the author is not claiming to be, you know, that that brother of James and Jesus. It could be some other James that was famous at the time, but is like no longer known or famous to us today. Um, All right. But, but at How the about... very least, it, it's an anonymous writing in, in my view. All right, so I'm gonna challenge that part right now. But first, I think we can just cover James. I've asked this uh, question to um, someone on your team before, but right now you're saying that you've committed an argument from silence. You're saying, well, it could have possibly been attributed to a James that was maybe well known back then, but we don't have the writings right now. That is an argument from silence. But I would ask you, could you name personally a more prominent, eminent? James than James, the brother of Jesus, who was the bishop of the Church of Jerusalem. Yes, I, I would say that you're also arguing from silence as well, that you're assuming that because there isn't no other famous well-known James, therefore it must be that James, uh, the, the brother of Jesus. Well, Whereas, I'm, not because I'm, 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 I'm not arguing from silence because historians and, and uh, scholars of early Christianity have uh, considered all the evidence, all the available data from ancient Christianity, right? And they've noticed that there is no other candidate. There is no other James. And and just so you don't so, take my opinion from it, I, I let me let me. I'll let you speak right now. I'm sorry. I don't want to take up more time. No, no, what, what, let, let me quote for you real quick what what Bauckham says on page six of his commentary. He he says, "quote uh, the second phrase which distinguishes this Judas from others of the same name does so by." mentioning his relationship to the only man in the primitive church who could be called simply, quote-unquote, James, with no risk of ambiguity, unquote. So many, many, many scholars, right? I, I, can't, I can't name more than uh, three right now that would say, no, it wasn't this James. And so because they looked at all the evidence and they said, We'd have no, uh, we have no evidence from uh, antiquity that says there was a more prominent James. Therefore, the best conclusion and the most likelihood it, that it, we have to believe what it says, that it was James, the brother of Jesus, as Clement of Alexandria, as other uh, early Christians uh, tell us. Well, if you um, read, uh, do you have access to Raymond Brown's uh, introduction to the New Testament? Um, have you heard of this scholar, Raymond Brown? Oh, yeah. And I've got the works, uh, Death of the Messiah. So um, I've okay, heard of Raymond cool. Brown, yeah, of course. It's a very good book, yeah. Um, so here's another like a famous book, which is, um, you know, probably after his commentary to John's gospel is probably his most famous work is, which is basically his introduction to the New Testament. Right. And um, in the new, um, in that particular book, he goes uh, by each of the, the books and he, you know, gives the scholarly discussion and also what is the percentage or the consensus among scholars. Um, as regards to the authorship. So when it comes to the letter of Jude, I believe the majority of New Testament scholars would regard it as being an anonymous author. So it is by a Jude, but we, we just don't know which particular Jude, even though traditionally it was linked to uh, the brother of Jesus and James. Right, okay, so so thank you. Right, so traditionally, so, so real quick, so I'm gonna go to Jude now. And I'm going to give my opinion, but so you recognize traditionally it is linked yeah. the James, who's the brother of, of uh, Jesus. And then, and as James, I mentioned yeah. right now, um, so just to be real brief, um, right now you can't 
you can't think of or recall or you haven't heard of another James other than this James who's more prominent so far? Is that is that the um, case? Or, or do you know of one that's more prominent? No. Okay. So, okay. So I maintain what Clement of Alexandria says, what the other writers say, that it's, it's the son of uh, Joseph, brother of Jesus. This James is the brother of uh, Jesus and therefore also the brother of uh, Jude, which is why Jude calls him. Uh, himself, you know, the brother of James. Now, in regard to Pseudepigrapha, I don't think the scholars who maintain it's Pseudepigrapha do so for the reasons you probably think. But how about we, how about we... Yeah, I'm not aware of any scholars that regard it as Pseudepigrapha, are you? Yeah, I can name a, I can name a few. I think uh, J.B. Myers, um, uh, oh, okay. uh, a few, a few others, right? Um, they do. It's anonymous. Yeah, well, some some consider it uh, pseudepigraphal, but they do so because they claim that there's internal evidence that may suggest it's theoretical. It may suggest that it that Jude is writing uh, late, and therefore it can't be written from the actual brother of Jesus, and therefore that's what they base their conclusion on, right? But they don't base it on any external evidence. So, um, so we can get to the other points. Um, you can just tell me um, yes or no, and just let me know your okay. thoughts right here. Um, in regard to pseudepigraphy, um, was was pseudepigraphy ever the reason that you are aware of why the letter was disputed or rejected by the early Christians? Not as far as I can recall. Okay. So I would tell you that um, Eusebius did rank it among the disputed books, but he did so because of its its paucity. He tells us not many of the ancients quoted from it. So that was the reason. To be honest, you're actually reminding me now. I think it was due to because it cited from apocryphal works, which is why, you know, some of the early church uh, were reluctant to accept it into the canon. Um, some said that it could be news um, as something of beneficial but they wouldn't regard it as scripture or being canonical, whereas others just completely rejected it because it contained these um, so-called apocryphal Jewish writings. Right. So, okay. So the, the question is, um, you know, why was it, why was it disputed or rejected? The follow-up is in, is that because it was pseudepigraphal? And so, so Eusebius ranked it as a disputed book, but not a rejected book. And he did so because of its paucity, right? Now, Jerome. So are you and, saying Eusebius himself never rejected it, but others did, or others doubted its authorship? Eusebius, no, because there's a difference between disputed and being spurious or rejected. Okay. Uh, Eusebius actually had uh, two categories, and if you just so I'm uh, clear, uh, which Eusebius are you referring to? Uh, the church historian who wrote the ecclesiastical of history. Caesarea. Yes. From the right. okay. So in, in book three, chapter 25, he gives a reason why it's it's it was disputed and he categorized it as a disputed. But I want to just keep in mind, I don't want to get too much off topic. He had two different okay. categories and being a disputed book uh, wasn't a bad thing. It was he was just letting you know that this book is disputed, but he also ends on a good note. He says it's still read publicly in many of the churches. Now, I know you just mentioned right now that, you know, some thought it, you can benefit from it. So they may have read mm -hmm. it for that reason. But going back to your other reason, another reason why it was disputed was because, as Jerome tells us in Lives of Illustrious Men and uh, Didymus also tells us, they tell us that it was uh, disputed and rejected precisely because Jude included apocryphal material. So in, in light of that, I would tell you According to what we know from the early Christians, uh, according to Eusebius, according to Jerome and Didymus, 
the reason that what the letter was disputed was precisely because of its paucity and because it quoted from apocryphal material. But take note that pseudepigrapha was never the issue why the letter of Jude was uh, doubted. Uh, would yeah, you agree with that? I, I don't think I never said that. Even okay, but you, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. To the best of my knowledge, yeah. Okay. Now, to follow up with that, I would say, can you think of another person other than Jude, whether uh, authentic or uh, pseudepigraphal, anyone other than Jude that the uh, Christians attributed to the letter to? Um, not from the top of my head. No, sorry. Okay. Okay, so yeah, I would just uh, inform you that, yeah, all the, the Christians, they've attributed it to a specific Jude, and it was Jude, the son of Joseph, brother of uh, Jesus and James. Now, real quick, Nazem, um, how about we just quickly go over the possibility that it could have been a different Jude, someone other than the brother of, of Jesus? How about we just take a look and just see if we can, through the process of elimination, uh, say he's unlikely, he's unlikely, he's unlikely. That way we can establish more of a common ground of why, uh, you know, why I think it's it's the specific Jude who is the brother of uh, Jesus and James and the son it of Jesus. Sounds Joseph. like a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So there is Jude's mentioned in the genealogies in Matthew and Luke. However, they, they come mm -hmm. hundreds of years before, um, you know, Mary and Joseph even enter the scene. So wouldn't you agree that they would have been long dead and therefore they're not even possible candidates. Okay. Now, Jude, Judas Iscariot, uh, he committed suicide in the third decade. And as you know, uh, many scholars give the date range to this epistle ranging from um, the 60s all the way to the 90s. Um, so would you agree that he died way too early to be, even be a possible candidate, Judas Iscariot? Yes, if you accept that Judas died. Because, okay. Um, to, to me, um, it's not a clear exactly from history as to what exactly happened to Judas in the end. Right. So what happened to him is uh, he committed suicide. And when you put two and two together, you consider Matthew 27 and you consider uh, Acts chapter one. Um, we are told he hung himself and that he uh, fell and therefore, um, you know, his insides uh, uh, busted. If you actually look, I can't think of the well, valley. Well, one of them says he committed suicide. Um, another one said he tripped and fell, you know, into right. the so, ditch um, that he bought. Papias, yeah, you're referring to uh, Papias, and Papias uses exaggerated language and uh, um, Jewish idioms oh, no, to, to describe Acts. I was thinking of the book of Acts. So the right. book of Acts doesn't say he committed suicide. Um, right. Well, that's that's an inference when when he went to go and hang himself. Right. And then when the book of Acts, you know, um, says that's what happened. Um, we do know that there is a, a valley there and there's in that valley. I can't recall the name of it. There is a cliff and him go, going to hang himself um, in the book of Acts. Yeah. All right. Well, be that as it may. Matthew, he does that like in Matthew, he throws away, right. you know, the money that he got. And, um, right. you know, out of guilt, you know, he goes and commits suicide. Right. Be that as it may, I actually don't want to get uh, sidetracked. Maybe the, the epistle of Jude may have been written by, by Judas because there's another gospel you, you, known as the gospel of Judas, which is but, obviously an apocryphal gospel. Right. But in, in that gospel, Judas seems to be portrayed in a more positive light as a friend of Jesus, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But just, just for... Judas uh, did write the letter of Jude. Right. But can uh, you tell me... 
do you know do you know the date that scholars attribute that the gospel of judas was written uh from the i think the second century is that right second century so it's extremely unlikely and it's uh, deemed uh, sure a deemed but it does contain book. traditions about judas and, and i agree um judas didn't write the gospel of judas but um it does contain traditions about judas that do show him in a different light to the one that is in the new testament of course uh many pseudepigraphal works uh, as many uh even though they contain heresy and unorthodox teaching they do contain some truth and they do contain some uh, accurate parts, you know, but but not to get off topic. So you would agree Judas Iscariot is unlikely to be the writer uh, of the letter. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I guess it would be for the same reasons as to why I don't think uh, the Judas, the brother of Jesus, wrote it as well. Okay. So there is I a Jude mention. It. We said it's possible, so. But right. I, I well, just thought it's not likely. Okay, so do you think that Judas Iscariot didn't die in uh, at the time of the crucifixion? I'm agnostic as to what happened to him. Right. Because well, according according to the New clear. Testament, but of course he's now dead. Right. So, so just for clarification, because I want to be able to say you and I can agree that we can rule him out as an unlikely candidate as the author. So, according to the New Testament, according to the New Testament, process we can just eliminate him. Okay. Okay, but here's the but here's the reason why we're not just dismissing them just for the sake of it is because the New Testament writings tell us that um you know he died and even according to um you know the the Muslim view the Islamic tradition tells us uh, at least one of the candidates I know there's others but that that Jesus was replaced with uh, Judas and then I know some sure. friends you know tell us so either way, either way, so we have three different stories as to what happened to Judas. So that's why I say I'm agnostic with regards to his demise. Right. Well, the point is, is Nazim, whether you take your your Islamic view of Judas being. I wouldn't replaced... say it's Islamic. But okay. Okay. I, I would say okay. it's a Muslim interpretation. One Muslim interpretation out of several. Okay. Even if you take that one. Or if you take the New Testament teaching, either one tells mm -hmm. us that Jesus died around the, I mean, um, excuse me, that Judas, Judas, yeah. Judas died around, I do believe Jesus died yeah, at the crucifixion too, that Judas, yeah. Judas died at the time of the crucifixion. So would you agree mm -hmm. that either way you look at it, we can eliminate him because it's very unlikely that dead men write uh, letters? Yeah. Okay. Okay, now there is a Jude mentioned in Acts uh, nine and Acts fifteen, but they're only mentioned they're only mentioned once in that place. They're never uh, mentioned again. We don't know anything about him. Uh, the Jude the Jude in Acts fifteen. All we know is he was also called Barsabas and was considered a prophet. Uh, none of the church fathers mention them or attribute them as uh, being brothers of Jesus or James, and never as the author of a letter of a short epistle. So would you agree that it's it's unlikely that they would be the author of the letter, considering that? Um, well, I mean, just because they mentioned once doesn't mean that they weren't someone important or authoritative in the early church. Right. I mean, so just because they're mentioned once, you're correct. Just because they're mentioned once doesn't mean that they're not a possibility. But that's why we're we're considering if you weigh the evidence based on probability they possibly could have been the author but when you compare that since we don't know anything about him when you weigh that against the evidence of another jude 
who we have multiple lines of evidence telling us he was the son of Joseph. He was the brother of Jesus. He was the brother of James. And he actually authored the epistle. Which one weighs more? Obviously, it would be the one with multiple lines of evidence, right? And so on the basis sure. of probability, isn't it more probable or, or, or I should say, isn't it less probable that he would be the author of the letter in comparison to another Jude who has way more evidence and attestation telling us that he did author it? Wouldn't you agree with that? Sure. Okay. Okay. Now, um, we have two more candidates. Um, and I think you're aware of, of these two last candidates right now that we can weigh. And I actually do agree one actually has is a good contender. But um, there is a Jude mentioned as the Bishop of Jerusalem. Um, are you aware of that? No. Okay. Well, there is a Jude mentioned in the list of bishops of Jerusalem. However, Epiphanius doesn't qualify uh, which Jude this was. And commenting on that, um, W.G. Kumau says that equating the author of Jude with Bishop Jude named in the old Jerusalem list of bishops runs aground the fact that we know nothing about him, whether he had a brother or not. And so Daniel Wallace uh, agrees with this assessment, and he says that the evidence is too strong to uh, consider this Jude. And then on top of that, in that same list, there actually a discrepancy. Um, the Apostolic Constitutions actually says it qualifies which Jude that was. However, they say that he was the son of James, which would eliminate him if we accept it, because the letter, the author of the letter of Jude is the brother of James. So again. When we go back to probability, the evidence is against this Jude who's in the list of bishops of Jerusalem as being the author because we don't know anything about him. And then what we do know about him tells us, okay, it can't be that Jude because he was the son of James, the author of Jude is the brother of James. And so that leaves us with one candidate who I do agree is the best candidate out of all of them. Um, and I think you've uh, heard this brought up with someone on one of your streams, but they they think, and I agree, that the best candidate competing for the letter's authorship is one of the 12 apostles from uh, Luke 6, uh, the Apostle Jude. You heard that argument? No. Okay. So they believe that, um, and I agree, that the closest candidate we can get, it was either Judas, the brother of uh, Jesus, or it was Judas the Apostle who authored this letter. The problem though, Nazem, and this is, this is I'm going to echo the arguments of Michael Green and numerous other scholars. They tell us that it's very unlikely that Jude the Apostle could be the author of the letter because he's called the son of James, whereas the author of the letter of Jude is the brother of James. And, and Michael Green argues additional point. He says that Judas the Apostle could hardly be, um, uh, you know, the one from Luke chapter 616 because that Jude is an apostle, but in verse 17, the author of Jude expressly dissociates himself from the apostles. And so on this basis, I think that he's less likely to be the author in comparison to the, all the other evidence, which tells us the specific Jude, who's the son of Joseph, brother and Jesus and James, is the author. That Jude wrote the short epistle. Well, this is the other thing as well. Uh, when the author of the letter of Jude, when he speaks about the apostle, he speaks to the, he speaks about them as if they're like in the distant past. So he doesn't speak of like as if he's a contemporary to the apostles, whereas James, um, Jude, the brother of J James, would have been. 
Okay, so on what basis do you conclude that Jude is speaking uh, at a later time and he's speaking about the apostles uh, from the time in the past? On what basis do you draw that conclusion? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it was argued from the Greek um, by uh, one of the books I looked at at the time. So I am aware. I am aware of this argument. I have looked at many, many sources, mm -hmm. the commentaries, both for and against the authenticity of, of Jude. And there's two arguments that uh, many put forth. One has to do with uh, verse three in Jude, and one has to do with verse seventeen. And uh, in those commentaries, those who did argue the same argument you're mentioning that the apostles are mentioned all the way in the past, um, they do so based on the interpretation that Jude is writing at a later time because the assumption is that he's referring to a time when all the apostles had already died. Is that is that along the same lines? Is that what you're referring to possibly? It, it sounds like it. Okay. So um, I would mention in response to that, that whether you consider um, Jude 3 or, or, or Jude 17, it doesn't necessitate a late date interpretation. Uh, many scholars like uh, Gordon Fee, they tell us that, um, for example, um, verse 3 mentions, uh, you know, remember uh, the faith. And therefore, the conclusion of some scholars is that, hey, he's referring to a body, an entire body of tradition, which means the, which means, you know, the Pauline corpus was already done, which means the canon may have been established or the majority of it. Therefore, all the apostles died because he's referring to an entire body of tradition. But um, Paul uses the same language for passing down or delivering um, the gospel message to the Corinthians, which we see in 1 Corinthians 12, um, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 2. And um, Bauckham also says that the word uh, pistes, right, uh, refers to the content of what is believed, not necessarily an entire body of uh, scripture, right? So this usage can already be found in Paul and uh, most clearly in Galatians 1.23, uh, the same word is used in the same context of preaching the faith. So pistes is equivalent to the gospel. So when we read, let's just say, uh, verse 3 in Jude, it doesn't necessitate that it's suggesting a body of tradition that was passed down from one generation, which presupposes all the apostles uh, had died. So, so um, yeah, well, as, as we know, the letters of Paul were not collected during his lifetime, uh, but when Paul uh, cites scripture, uh, he's citing uh, books that have been written uh, before and prior to him and that are like accepted as authoritative uh, amongst Jews. Uh, when Paul cites uh, these like pre-Pauline type creeds or hymns, um, there's a difference between like um, citing like a, a creed or a, a, a hymn or some form of prayer um, than, um, you know, um, documents or corpus of scripture. Um, Jesus regards scripture as being like the book of Enoch. Like he seems to treat that as scripture uh, as well as um, other, like the assumptions of Moses. He seems to regard that as, at the very least um, authoritative, if not even scripture. Um, so, so, so to me, it does seem like, um, like my, my, my present view is that it was written by some anonymous unknown Jude. 
he also happened to have a brother coincidentally named James. Okay, so how do you treat how do you treat the overwhelming evidence from antiquity which identify a specific Jude, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus and James, as the author of this short epistle? What has more evidence wow. when you weigh it? That evidence that tells us, okay, it's this Jude, and they give the reasons why, and they name it, uh, you know, he's the son of Joseph. He's the brother of uh, James and Jesus, compared to a uh, theoretical position that maybe it was written by an anonymous Jude that we don't know about and we have no evidence about. Um, when you weigh that on the scale of probability, which candidate is more likely to be the author? The one that you're, uh, you know, maybe... Um, presupposing right now or the one that we can look at the evidence for well i i, I don't find the particular evidence that's brought forward uh to be convincing um i find the evidence to be a bit late uh compared to when the document was said to be first written um the last thing is i find it odd that he should mention that he's the brother of James, but not mention that he's the brother of Jesus. Yeah, and I think, guys, this is a good good uh, point for me to, like, jump in. Mizam, if you want to redirect any questions, I, I don't know um, if, you, if you can or not, um, or if you want to, because I know you didn't really... <laughs> put too much together for it but if you want to take it any in it in any direction i'll let you jump in to do that but i just also want to uh um let people know that if you want to ask questions to either one about anything that you've heard so far or something else i mean you're more than welcome to but go ahead and pick it up guys <laughs> I mean, you guys have been doing great. I mean, it's we're, we're getting close to an hour, so uh, sure. you know, I wasn't about expecting 10 minutes. that we were yeah. able to. Yeah, and you guys did. You guys did great. You're really cordial. Both of you have been really cordial to each other, and sure. you know, I haven't had to jump in much. I, I don't have a problem discussing um, with with say Luke. Okay. Likewise, Nazem. Uh, likewise, Nazem. All right. Well, uh, I'll let you guys continue. I just wanted to give at least everybody an opportunity to throw a question or two out there before we wrap it up. Uh, we got about another uh, seven minutes or so. Uh, so, um, say, Luke, um, I, I don't like just because um, the letter of Jude, in my view, is by some unknown or Jude. Um, I, I, I don't like like throw it out uh, because I, I still feel that it does have some value because. Um, it tells us something about the history of the early church. Um, like from Jude, we note that there are like other Christians that he condemns as being like false Christians. Um, and also it seems like at the time there was like great apostasy where, um, you know, people were expecting or many people were expecting Jesus to return within their own lifetime. And when that did not happen, um, many people um, seem to have left the faith or people were using that as an argument to say, um, you know, Christianity isn't true. Um, so it seems that Jude was written within this subtext uh, as, as a response. And especially um, his opponent seems to be like other Christians that he's condemning. Uh, Jude? Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, well, the reason why it's not so much a question, I just want to just make it clear that um, just because it's by some unknown author, it doesn't mean it doesn't have any historical value. 
I agree. Some anonymous writings are um are good. I mean, historians actually look at these because we don't dismiss everything as um you know uh, unvaluable. Historians actually treat apocryphal books and, and other books for evidence. Mm. You know, it's from looking at these that we can gain a knowledge about certain individuals, certain practices that take place. So I'm in agreement with you um a hundred uh, percent. Now Regarding regarding certain persons, right? That's that's mentioned, right? In verse four, um, you said, you know, it's written maybe to maybe to Christians or maybe not, right? Well, we're uncertain. Jude does not indicate, you know, who this group of individuals were. But I will remind you that Balkum gives examples and he points out that Jude is using uh, the word tines for the word certain persons. Jude is using that, and this word usually is found in other places in the New Testament, um, such as Romans 3.8 and uh, 2 Corinthians 3.1. And it usually designates a group of people that are known to the letter's audience, even though they might not be known uh, to us. And so Bacham mm -hmm. tells us that it, that word, tenus, in the New Testament, in all these places, designates a definite group of people well known to the readers. It's a common, and it's often used of opponents with the hint of disparagement. And so what we what we could ascertain at least from from this and looking from that the body of the New Testament is that the author the the certain persons may not have been known to us, but they were certainly uh, known to Jude's uh, original audience. And we could also ascertain that we do know they were ungodly and denied uh, Jesus as their master uh, according to uh, everything else I read. Now um um, you mentioned um, that you would you would still choose uh, Jude being pseudepigraphal. I think you said over Jude being identified or the authorship of Jude uh, being attributed to the brother of Jesus and James. I would just say that on a scale of probability, which, which is what historians and scholars use, the evidence favors Jude, the son of Joseph, brother in Jesus, in comparison to an anonymous author that no one knows about and I do agree though, even though you have some later writings, we still could uh, ascertain valuable knowledge of the past from uh, you know looking at this evidence. Oh, and that reminded me uh, another point you, you said. Um, you said you said uh, you know Jude is is late, and um, you know one of your uh, you know friends on your team also uh, brought forth this argument that hey, you know what the evidence we do have for Jude is late. It's coming from the second century onwards, right? But my, I, my view is it's probably written like maybe in the seventies. In the seventies? In the first century. Okay. Uh, yeah. After the destruction of the temple. Right. So yeah, so most uh, the majority of scholars, um, oh almost all of them, but there are some that, that push it really late, but they do so based on an interpretation, not the external evidence. But the majority of scholars do uh give the date range for this letter from sixty to ninety. So yeah, I agree with you. You're correct. But as far as external evidence attesting to the authorship of this letter, um, if I recall correctly, it was argued in one of the streams is that, hey, you know, maybe that Christian writer of antiquity does attribute it to the son of Joseph, brother of Jesus and James. But he's writing in the second century. That one's writing in the third or fourth century. In response to that, um, I'll just quote one of, of many historians who say that's not problematic at all. And let me quote for you A.N. Sherman White. Um, Oxford historian A.N. Sherwin-White, um, she says on page 186 of Roman Society and Roman Law, she writes, quote, we are generally dealing with derivative sources of marked biases and prejudices composed at least one or two generations after the events they describe. 
but much more often, as with the lives of Plutarch or the central decades of Levi, from two to five centuries later, unquote. And so she's not the only one. I can name uh, Paul Meyer, Gaze of Vernis, uh, many other historians, and even um, uh, Bart Ehrman, who uh, Mohammed Hijab recently interviewed. Um, they're all in agreement that we will like sources early, but the fact is that the majority of our sources that are reliable come, you know, two, three, four, five centuries after the events or the persons that they are describing. So I just want to point out that when you look at the standards of historians, um, they don't dismiss any attestation or any evidence on the basis that it's written uh, much later than what's being described. And so I'm not sure if you were aware of that, but um, that's the standards of uh, a historian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have to go on a case-by-case -case basis. Right. Right. So, so generally like speaking, late is not full stories. Right. So, just generally speaking, as yeah. uh, I'm sorry, to cut, I just cut you. Off. I'm sorry, but just generally speaking, uh, late does not mandate uh, uh, unreliability. So, it's a non sequitur to assume that something's late. It must be reliable. I would just uh, point that out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sure. It's not necessarily so. Although, when it comes to historiography. Um, in, in Western studies, um, you know, scholars like the sources to be as early uh, as they can be. Um, and also they want them to be like, um, like disinterested as well as being independent as well. Uh, but we can just make the best of what we can. Um, right. Yeah. But, but yeah, I agree that not necessarily just because something's late doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't contain any true information in it. Awesome, awesome. I, I'm in I'm in agreement. And as I said, just because the letter of Jude, in my view, is by an unknown author, um, it doesn't mean it doesn't have any historical value to it. Right. So, yeah, and that's a good place to, I, you know, you know, just to wrap it up. And you know, I, I think you guys have have fleshed ask, out a lot of it. Uh, question, please. Yeah, sure. David. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, so now I understand your position regarding the letter. Um, I'll just ask you one question, Nazem. Um, I know that's your position. Do you grant the possibility that the author could be Jude, the son of James, brother of Jesus, and uh, James? Do you grant that as a possibility for the authorship of this letter? Yeah, I mean, anything's possible, as long as it's log logically possible. But, but um, personally, just, I don't feel it's li likely. Okay, so you. But, but that doesn't mean that it's set on stone. I, I can always okay. change my mind. Okay, thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, you know, this has been really great. I'm going to go around again just so you guys can plug in whatever you're working on, whatever website you want our guests to visit. Uh, and, you know, I encourage everybody to go back to uh, the F, uh, EF Dawa's. Uh, uh, YouTube channel and actually listen to their series and hear the challenges that they present and you know reach out and if you guys want to have I a think, conversation I think Luke do it been on one of them as well or, or you've been in two or three episodes yeah I've tuned in to a couple yeah. of them yeah which ones you were on maybe if viewers are interested they could I came in in a uh, Jude uh, I came in this, the okay. first stream of Jude be before I was a uh, Really cut uh, off, but um, I didn't get uh, to get to all these points, so I really appreciate okay. 
getting uh, you coming on and, and getting to discuss these points in more depth uh, without any interruption, Nazem. I really appreciate that. Cool. D David, do we get a minute to wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. I want to I want to give it give both of you guys the opportunity to just to wrap up real quick. And like I said, uh, plug your shows, plug plug whatever you're working on, man. This is uh, this is that time. All right. All right. So um, I want to thank you, David, for uh, hosting this um, discussion with me and Nazem. I really appreciate it. Nazem, likewise, I, I apologize for any miscommunication that there may have been. I really thank you for uh, discussing these points, and I'm glad that we got to cover these uh, more in depth. Um, I give all glory to the triune God. Uh, real quick, just to address Mustafa C, because I saw that he made a comment regarding uh, Jude being disputed. That's a non sequitur to assume that just because something is disputed, it must therefore be rejected or it must be something bad. But if we if we want to draw that conclusion, it can, you know, I can turn it around and overthrow Muhammad's prophethood because some people had doubts that he was a prophet. And so I would say, I'll just remind my my friend Mustafa C that uh, a book that's disputed is not necessarily a bad thing. I would argue on the contrary, it's a good thing. It shows that the early Christians had discernment and they didn't just accept any book because someone said it was from God. So I say, uh, Amen. Um, I'm glad that we got to talk about Jude. For the most part, me and Nazem got to eliminate all the other Judes. I understand his position is uh, Jude anonymous writing. I don't think it's strong evidence. Nevertheless, I do feel that we were able to eliminate all the other Judes and all the early evidence from antiquity tells us that the author of this letter was a specific Jude, the son of Joseph and brother of uh, James and Jesus. And so I look at all the evidence and I maintain that we can uh, be sure on the historicity of this letter. We can have confidence in it. And I give all glory to God. Thank you. Hey, and that's uh, questions for you, too, uh, real quick, so you can answer it from Anthony Wagoneer. Sure. Go ahead. Answer it. It says, uh, are you on Clubhouse? Uh, no, I'm not on Clubhouse. I've been all told. Right. Uh, I think even Nazem told me, you know, I should create a uh, Clubhouse or mm -hmm. something. Other uh, right social media contacts, yeah. Even you, David. I think uh, even you mentioned that to me too. <laughs> right on. Well, um, all right, Nazem. I'll let you, well, uh, you can finish find out. Find me on Clubhouse as well. Um, if you search for me, um, possibly either Nazem forty four or just Nazem Kafur. Um, otherwise, um, I have a YouTube channel myself. It's called Nazem forty four. Um, the majority of content is like Muslim Christian uh, dialogues and debates. Um, I, I'm, most of the videos are, are Dr. Shabir Ali's uh, debates and videos. Um, some of them I have also of some Speakers Corner videos and of Mufti Abu Leif and Sheikh Atabek and uh, um, Yusuf Ishmael from South Africa and Dr. Jamal Badawi. Um, so I have quite a few content and I originally started the channel back all the way back in 2006, I believe, when YouTube came out a year before. Um, so yeah, I guess my, my channel is one of the kind of like oldest kind of so-called Muslim apologetic channels. Um, um, but yeah, I also just want to uh, thank David for the invitation and for say Luke uh, for inviting me. Um, I apologize uh, for, for coming late. I had some technical problems and, um, and also we could have discussed, um, the kind of, um, behind the scenes kind of matters beforehand. I apologize for bringing that up because I just wanted to clarify because um, I was just kind of um, 
uh, of God, although I didn't mind um, discussing the, the uh, topic. And I, I felt in the end it proved beneficial. And I hope I haven't um, deterred you from like in the future of, of contacting me and having like either a private or a public discussion. Or, um, Thank you, and, yeah, I was just yep, about and, to invite you on again uh, in the future for a discussion between. I was thinking about putting one together with uh, I have a. Uh, uh, a friend that's uh, into Judaism, and I was going to have a Muslim and a Christian on to discuss uh, some stuff in the future. So I was just going to say, hey, you know. But yeah, you know, I, I also think it's funny because I remember when YouTube started too. So uh, you know, I'm old too, man. So don't. <laughs> I, I I hear you. I feel your pain. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we're old guys. And back but... then, there wasn't so many adverts as well. Yeah. I also wanted to, to probe you real quick on Speaker's Corner. It's pretty crazy over there, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Uh, it's quite a unique place. There are other Speaker's uh -oh. Corners in the world. And even in the UK, yeah. there's more than one. But the, the one in Hyde Park, London, uh, I'm quite fortunate, you know, to be able to attend like every week because I live close by. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it can be quite intense. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, man. I I've, uh, I listened to uh, Unbelievable uh radio show by uh justin, justin riley, riley. Yeah. yeah i've been on there <laughs> yeah they they talk about it over there uh and you know they had some shows on documentary like, yeah, as well yeah. yeah right on right on guys well you know i really appreciate both of you guys coming on today and talking about this subject it's pretty interesting it's fascinating i've always been fascinated by the uh the idea of uh you know the the gospels being unanimous or whatever and and you know i i once heard ep sanders say that you know it actually added to the authenticity of the gospel it, it right. elevated it and i thought that was pretty interesting but uh yeah very interesting guys again i thank you all so much for coming on um you know stay tuned for more content we've got a lot more coming your way um i even think luke had somebody else that wanted to talk to him about peter right that's right yeah someone else wanted to so, talk to and, me about a peter so stay tuned yeah we'll see yeah and you know like i said pra is a place where guests can come on you know you, you know fans can come on if you if you have something you want to discuss and you need a platform you're more than welcome to reach out and and you know do that you know otherwise we're just going to keep pumping out as much content as we can and you know we, we try to be the uh beacon of fairness here <laughs> You know, let, let awesome. you guys discuss and let our guests discuss. And that's what we did here today. So I thank you guys. Looking forward to the future. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, this is Russell, and I am out of here.